Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Collider Ladies Night. You know how obsessed I am with Fear Street, so I am beyond thrilled to welcome Kiana Madeira to the show. Oh my God, congratulations. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. You should be so, so proud. I am obsessed with these movies. I can't get enough of them. We do have to learn a little bit about you, though, on this show right now. And the first thing we do on Ladies Night is we kick it off with this dice tower behind me. Yeah. So I get a good chunk of time with you right now, but it's never enough time. So I come up with eight random questions. We roll the die three times, and those are at least the three questions that we start with. So your fate is in my hand right now. Let's do it. All right. We've got a seven. Seven is four-legged friends. Do you have any pets? No, I don't have any pets. I do want to get a dog. I'm like obsessed with half poodle mixes. They're so cute. And I I love poodles. So I want to get a dog eventually, but I I don't have any pets right now. Highly recommend getting a dog if you want one, but I know you are busy and you probably travel a lot and it's a lot of work. That's the reason. The reason I haven't yet. All right. We've got a six. Scary stuff. What is the scariest movie you've ever seen? Scariest movie I've ever seen, Insidious Part 1. I think it, it is Insidious. Scary. <laughs> yeah, the Insidious whole franchise is super scary, and the, the first one I would say is the scariest. I feel like the pairing of the visuals and the, the music stingers in that, like when you see the red-faced demon, it just hits yep. at the perfect point, and it's an excellent jump scare. Yes, and I saw it in theaters. Terrifying. But so good. Let's go for another one. We've got a five. Never again. What is one thing you did for a role that now makes you say, I am so glad I did that, but never again? Oh, good question. My instinct is to say the hanging in part three, 1666. I'm really glad I did that. It was such an integral part of the story, but the hanging scene I don't want to do again. Very, very understandable. That is 
incredibly tense and it, it plays extremely well. So whatever you had to do to pull that off, job well done to you and the team. Thank you. I'm going to cheat right now. I'm going to give you one more roll because I really want to get a certain one. Okay. I didn't get it, but I'm going to cheat anyway. I don't care. Yeah. Screw my game right now. Number four. <laughs> Number four is Fear Street one-on-one. -on -one. You got to pick one shady side killer to fight one-on-one. -on -one. Who do you pick and why? I would choose... I would choose milkman because the milkman killer to me he was the scariest and um my character didn't get enough time with him like i just feel like one-on-one -on -one, i would i would really love to like take him down because he's a scary he, and he's so creepy like he has this like creeper kind of like you know just like it creepy in a way that sh that makes me want to like kick his ass I hate that I asked you that and I didn't even think that through very clearly myself. I feel like I've got to go, I feel like I've got to go with Cyrus Miller, but I feel like that's an uneducated answer to give because I didn't see him in action or run or anything. So right now I'm thinking like I could get away from him, but I probably couldn't. True. Yeah. We didn't really get to see him like in, in his full swing of murdering, but he, he's pretty scary too. All right, let's get into the meat of it now. We got to start by getting to know you a little bit better. So going back to the very, very beginning here, what is the the movie, the performance, the personal experience, you name it, that first made you say, this is what I want to do. I got to be an actor. Some people might think this is odd. I was five years old and I was in love with the movie Grease um, with John Travolta. And I was in love with his character, Danny Zuko. And I, I learned all the songs and I was just like, I wanted to marry his character. So when I was five, I was like, if I become an actor and I can be in movies and I can meet Danny Zuko and marry him. And then I realized shortly after that that movie was made like 20 years prior. Dan, Danny Zuko is a fictional character. It's never going to happen. But since that, I just always still wanted to be in movies and, and I still want to meet John Travolta because that'd be amazing. But the acting bug never left me since then. I don't know if I might have made this up, but in my endless Fear Street research for all of my interviews, wasn't, wasn't there a character who had Grease in their backstory? And maybe it was Emily, like Grease was yep. in Cindy's backstory and she hated Grease or something. Like, yep. Did you two ever talk about that? I, the first time I heard her say that was in an interview setting. And I was like, in the background, just like, what? Like, so offended. She said she she couldn't even listen to the soundtrack for her character. And I was like, oh, how could you, Emily? But it was definitely, yeah, it was Emily. It's such a classic. I would wonder what she would think of, what do you think of Grease too? I never saw it. <gasps> I know. I was like, these aren't the original characters and actors and Listen, it's not a classic like the first Grease. And it's, it's you know, it's a little out there compared to the first movie but i there there's a there's a massive divide on that movie and i fall on the side of absolutely adoring it and being able to watch it over just as many times as the first one interesting i should watch it then it deserves that i'll watch it michelle Pfeiffer, she's quite good in it oh yeah i love her i didn't even realize it was her that's awesome at the very beginning of your career making it in the entertainment industry can feel like a pipe dream so what was the point that I guess made you say, or, or a specific gig you booked that made you say like, I'm here, I have a foundation and I can do it. I can make this a, a long lasting career. I'm from Canada. Uh, so I think 
I did, I worked quite a bit in Canada and, but, but, I, and which was great, but as a Canadian artist, I think so many other Canadian artists can agree that you really start to feel like you can make something of it once you make the move to the States and start booking work there. So for me, the first role that I booked moving to the States was, um, an originally a Facebook watch show, which is now on Peacock. It's called Sacred Lies. And I play a character named Angel. And I love that character so much. Um, I got to really dive into her backstory. And I feel like that was the a perfect opportunity for me to kind of show what I can do in terms of my craft. And then after I booked that, I was like, okay, I, I think I really did something with this character and I'm excited that that I think was the, the point where I was like, I think I can really do something with this. So in that case, what was the thing that connected the dots from the Canadian film industry to that opportunity for you? Well, I got an agent in LA. So I built my resume in Canada and then I took meetings and, and I got my agent in LA and then I was able, and I got a visa. You have to like do so much to get a visa to work in the States, but I did it. Thank God. And I was able to make that transition. And yeah, those things definitely were the reason. Visa and an agent. So what what about the idea of feeling like you have more control over a career, both in terms of the direction that it's going in, but also your craft? I feel like I'm getting convoluted here. I'm going to split this into two questions. First, just looking at career path, because I know when you're starting out, you might want to amass as many credits as possible. So you have a body of work that you could show to everybody. But at the same time, you want to pick projects that really speak to what you want to show the industry in terms of what you're interested in going forward. So what was it like in the early days trying to figure out that appropriate balance? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, I think in the earlier days when I first started, it definitely was, especially because I had to get my visa, it, it was a little bit of you know, building your resume in, in any way that you can. And I think I just, I got really lucky and really blessed because I, like, I, I would say every project I did was one that I was really proud of. And I don't think that I, even early on, I felt comfortable saying no to things that didn't sit well with me morally or things that, stories that I didn't really care to tell in a way. Um, so from the very beginning, I kind of had like a foundation of the direction that I wanted to go in. And even though I needed the opportunities, I still felt pretty solid in my conviction to say yes to certain things and no to certain things. So uh, it's hard sometimes, but I think it's really important when you're when you're doing something that, something that you love and something that you know can influence so many people. Absolutely. So now the other half of that is just from from a craft perspective, because I know, again, early days when you're just starting out, it can be it can be a scary thing to feel the confidence to speak up and maybe say to a director or any collaborator for that matter, like, you know what, like, I think my character would do this this way or, or say this instead. So do you remember the very first gig you had where, you know, you found that courage to speak up and weigh in in a creative manner like that? I think the probably, honestly... Trinkets. I did a Netflix show called Trinkets and I loved my character so much. And I think from day one, I had so many creative ideas and nuances and impulses when bringing my character Mo to life. So, and also being a series regular kind of gives an actor the confidence, you know, you're on set every day. So I think that was my first experience being like, I, I think I know this character well enough 
and kind of built this character from the ground up to be like this. She wouldn't say these things. And I think in this scene, my intention is more like this. So trinkets really gave me the confidence to stand strong in my craft playing Mo. Mo is such a confident character as well. So I think trinkets was the start of that for me and then kind of um, led itself into fear street i'm kicking myself right now because i was so busy rewatching the fear street movies that i didn't start my trinkets binge soon enough <laughs> but, like i powered through i think it was like eight episodes last night i finished with the episode where you guys take molly and like i was absolutely hysterical and then all of a sudden you guys ripped my heart into a million pieces <laughs> Oh, yeah. Trinkets is, is honestly such a gem. I really love that show. Thank you for watching. Like, as much as you did, that's awesome. I'm going to continue. Um, I mean, actually, this, this question will come from an uninformed place, so excuse this. But nope. I know you have you have two seasons here, and it didn't go forward with a third season. Is that something that you guys were aware of from the very beginning, that it would be two seasons and done? Or were there any hopes that a third season would get the go-ahead? When we got greenlit for season two, Netflix told us then that it was going to be the second and final season. So that's that's better, I think, because we were able to wrap up the stories. I think, you know, when you leave on a cliffhanger and then you just get canceled, it's I haven't had that yet. I'm sure it'll happen because you know how the industry is. But it was nice going into the second season, knowing that that was going to be the final. As someone who is still very upset over the cancellation of Glow, I think you guys had the winning scenario right there. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts as a viewer and as, as an actor. Let's get into Fear Street here and begin with the audition process. So I have to ask about working with Carmen Cuba on that whole, that whole run of auditions because like, she is hands down one of the best casting directors out there. So what is it that is specific to the Carmen Cuba casting process that you had never experienced on another project before? It was my first time auditioning for Carmen Cuba, and I agree with you. She is incredible. And the first thing that comes to mind is I, I did, I think it was my third audition in. Lee was not in LA, so we were on a Zoom call with Lee, but I was in the room in LA with Carmen Cuba, and we did a work session. We were, I swear I was in the room for like an hour, it felt like, like just given so much time to really take direction and work with them. And so that was just such an intimate setting, which you don't often find with casting directors. And then at the end, Carmen just took the time to ask me about me. And she asked me a question that no other casting director has ever asked me. She asked me, if we were to cast your parents, what ethnicity would you want them to be cast as? And I was like, wow, that's such, an, that's such a great question because I'm mixed race and Oftentimes you, you get cast and you get just put into a place where the creatives kind of see where you fit and you don't have much of a say in it. And although it was interesting because Dina or Sarah, I mean, Sarah Fear, the real Sarah Fear had a father, but Dina, the character that I played, her parents never even showed up. But I really appreciated the fact that she asked me that and, and cared about my my opinion in that way and, and was interested in what my actual ethnicity was. And I think after that, I was like, I didn't even know I had gotten the role at that point. I didn't even get the role, but I was like, I really appreciate that attention to detail. So that was, that was, I always remember that. 
I feel like that's definitely something that could make her a standout in the field. Just like yes. really taking the time to understand the per the people that she is uh, she's working with and casting. That's got to make all the difference here. Yeah. When you first started auditioning for Fear Street, did you have a clear sense of what the project entailed, or was it not until you booked the role or the roles that you realized that you were essentially going to be the lead of two feature films playing two different characters filming back to back? I didn't know until I was on a flight going to New York for the final chemistry read where I met Olivia. It, and so that was probably four or five auditions in. I was flying to New York to do the final stage and I had received all three scripts a couple of days leading up to that. So I read them before getting on that flight. And at that point I was like, whoa, not only am I the lead, but these scripts are amazing. There's three different time periods two different characters. The scripts are cohesive. They're so deep. There's just so many things. So it wasn't until that final audition where I actually understood what it was all about. I don't know if you could remember this far back, this clearly, but when you got all that extra information and knew what the character's path was going to be, did that change how you pictured Dina at all after those first few audition reads? such an interesting question. I, I don't think it changed. I think like sometimes I received, I received material and I just have really strong impulses and ideas on a character. And those are usually the things that I end up booking because <laughs> I think that that's really what creative people are looking for as well. And Dina was really one of those, like from the first scene, I only auditioned with one scene and I just like kind of understood her in a really specific way. And so even when I got the full uh, scope of the scripts, my original idea ideas of her just kind of fit into everything else, which was nice. Just because I'm curious now, what was that scene? It was, um, I had two scenes. The first one was in the beginning of movie one where Dina tells Josh, get in the car. And he's like, you're obsessed with Sam, that one. And then the second one was in the grocery store of part one, 1994, where um, Dina is promising Sam that she's going to bring her back. And when they come back, they're going to go on a date and that monologue. All right. I, f I feel like that covers a good range of like intensity. So I feel like that pairing was probably necessary. Yes. Speaking of Olivia, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I believe you had a chemistry read with, with a few people who made it to that final phase. So what was it about Olivia when you finally read with her that maybe made you say, this feels right. This feels like, like a special spark that I might not have had otherwise. Mm -hmm. It definitely did feel like that. Um, I think the way that Olivia plays Sam was just so different than anything else I'd, I'd seen because Olivia has these like little nuances and like, you know, she has like such a, such an interesting and beautiful way of carrying herself as Sam that's strong but from a, a very internal place and she uh, something about olivia that i love as an actor is she really takes her time with when delivering what she's going to say she's very intentional and she feels confident holding her own space which we have dina who's kind of more angsty and a little more intense so just the juxtaposition of of my intensity and sam's like ability to take her time I think felt really special when we got to discover that in, in our chemistry read. It was like 
such a like almost a butting of heads, but that in a way that worked in their relationship because they loved each other so much and yet didn't really understand why it wasn't easy for them. And I think the way that Olivia was so calm in a way and like nervous in a different way than Dina is like outwardly angsty. I think just the differences were very special. Continuing with the Sam and Dina relationship, this feels like a a big question here, but I know that there can be a pretty fine line between representation and exploitation. So how did you two approach the love scenes in, in a way that felt character forward and a way that showed off their passion for one another, but didn't necessarily dip into the sensationalism that, you know, we have seen in, in quite a few horror movies. Communication was just so important from the very beginning uh, uh, with Olivia and I, and as well as Lee Janiak, our director. We always wanted to come from a place of authenticity and love. It wasn't so much about the physicality, but it was about this love that they had for each other. And so just always communicating, like, do you feel safe? Is there anything that you need? And choreographing everything in a way that was like, just provided us the safe space to really surrender to the chemistry that we had and be always, you know, reminding each other and ourselves that it's about the love at the end of the day. It's not about making this look hot or you know making it look a certain way it's about really the truth of where these characters are coming from and i also think lee is a director just in the the way that she directs uh, our camera operators to shoot and the lighting like everything was done in such a way that added to the story as opposed to like you know making it something else it was all a part of the very important love story at the core so turning to lee now you're you're very talented all on your own but there is just like a huge importance in what an actor's director can bring out of uh, bring out of a character. So whether it's with Dina or Sarah, what is something that Lee brought out of either of them that maybe you wouldn't have been able to tap into otherwise? Mm, that's such a great question. I loved working with Lee because I feel like I truly grew as an artist working with her in so many different ways. And the one way that she really pushed us was Lee is, is first of all, we would not move on from a scene unless Lee was 100% satisfied knowing we have more than we need. So at first, every actor, I think working with a new director is, is a little bit timid and seeking that approval and like that, you know, praise at the end of every take. And Lee didn't overly praise us, which was a little bit uncomfortable truly at first because every actor kind of looks for that and it's a little bit vulnerable, you know, putting everything out there. And then, but it really helped me so much at the end of the day because um, I got to trust Lee knowing that I don't need to be told at the end of every take that it was great. And I trust this director that when Lee says we're moving on, it it means we have more than enough and it's time to move on. And it, it made it, it made me focus more on the work as opposed to having my ego in the way and making it about me as an actor. And so I think Lee pushing me in that way really mirrored Dina and Sarah and what they were going through because they also were on such a mission to, you know, so intentional in their journey. And I think the way that Lee directed us to stay intentional in our journey to complete this trilogy, and we had so much on our plate, it didn't 
leave much room to for our egos to get in the way. And I think that really helped when translating to playing our characters. I'm so tempted to ask about like every single scene imaginable. I want to hit so many, but just, <laughs> I guess, broadly to try to tackle as many as I possibly can here. When you look at the shooting schedule, what is the scene that makes you circle that particular day on the schedule and say like, that's the day that I'm going to have my work cut out for me the most? Hmm. There were honestly so many days because so many days were so ambitious, but definitely the grocery store sequence in part one, 1994, when, when we were approaching that stuff, I was like this, I, first of all, I had that monologue, which was a really important part. And also the stakes were so incredibly high in that, in that grocery store overall. So when we were leading up to that, I, I definitely had all of those scenes circled being like, bring your voice, bring your emotionality, get good sleep, like make sure you come ready. And then in the 1600s, it was really every from the tunnels with Solomon onward. <laughs> that's, that's very understandable. That, that gives me the opportunity to talk about one specific scene there because like, I absolutely love talking about makeup and gore effects. That end of the industry impresses me to no end. So like, walk us through the hand chopping scene. What does that look like on set compared to what we see in the finished product? Oh, man. First of all, what we saw in the finished product was crazy. It was so, like, everyone I watched it with was like, oh, we like, screamed because it was done so well. We worked with Chris Nelson for for um, visual effects like on the day, and he is so amazing. He has so much history in horror genre, so we really had like the best person to work with for that. We did that in stages. So first, it was just normal, my hand. The second stage was putting on a prosthetic that had kind of like an open gash and an open wound. And so that was when the hand was kind of hanging. And then the third stage was... Um, a green, at one point I had a green glove because the, they would edit it out my hand at, after. And then um, before there was the green glove, they, they did like a prosthetic to show like a stump where the hand would be completely off. So that whole scene was very intense with Solomon and the fight and everything. And I'm trying to remember exactly how we shot it, but I know that we pretty much did that whole sequence over and over just with the different stages of the hand. It's something else. It looks so good. What about what about the emotion of a moment like that? How do you how do you tap into such an extreme level of pain? Does it has does it have to be kind of a like a a sense memory type thing or is it just pure imagination? Well, it could be sense memory for sure, except I I haven't felt something like I could imagine that would feel, I think it was so amazing working with Ashley Zuckerman who plays Nick Good and Solomon Good because we were just so in it in terms of the intensity and the, the fear. Like he played Solomon so well, but that scene was genuinely like, I felt very afraid what like during the court, during the, the acting of the scene. So I think the intensity of, of the fight and everything really let um lended the opportunity to just imagine what that would have felt like on top of the fear of this man who I think is going to kill me. It just kind of all fell into place. I didn't really have to think too much about it, but yeah, it was just also, you know, shooting in the, in the tunnels with the fire in those costumes and Ash with his 
wig and everything just felt so real that I think it just like we were just able to surrender to the circumstances. Ash is also so good in 1666. Like he does what he has to in 94, but it's like you watch someone take this fairly low key character to like the nth degree in the last installment. And it's just so wildly impressive. Yeah, I agree. It was, he was so amazing to work with as well. So talented. Speaking of, of Solomon, because I was talking to him and he said he wasn't on this set, but you and Olivia were. Is is there anything in the good family home uh, dressing or, or production design wise that you hope that people catch? Because like I found myself freezing every single frame, trying to get a detailed look at the family tree, like you name it. Yep. There's, I don't know if this shows on in any frame, but I remember when we were filming there, there's actually a book um, on the shelf really close to where the family tree photo is. And on it, it the, the author's last name is Zuckerman, which is like so breaking the fourth wall for Ash. But that was one thing. And then um, just like I, I, I'm sure people notice probably just the animals and like, you know, all the animals that were sacrificed like <laughs> through the journey of this family. But I wonder, I'm wondering if the Zuckerman last name actually showed. Cause I remember on the day Olivia and I were like, Hey, that's a very small detail, but that's cool. You do know I'm going to go right back after this and I'm going to look for it. Here's another very, very random small detail that I probably shouldn't be asking you, but I, I don't think I have any more fear street interviews after this. You know the scene in the hospital when Dina goes to visit um, Sam and she's eating the jello. Is that a deliberate Jurassic Park reference or do those shots just happen to look similar? That I wish I could tell you because I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was deliberate. I I no one has brought that up before, like not even on set. No one has mentioned that. So that's a great I will ask Lee. Okay, let me, let me know. I mean, yeah. it, it's a 1993 movie, so it, it would make sense. But wow, that's that's interesting. I had to ask someone. All right, yes. I'm going to po- pose a, a big theory question for you right now. Who do you think is the person who swooped in and took the book during the end credits? <sighs> I only started thinking about this after everyone was like, talking about it. I actually, when we finished filming, I never even, I was like, I don't know. I didn't think about it, but I've, I've seen some people's theories and I think the one that I I'm on board with the most that I think would make most sense is maybe Ziggy, maybe Gillian's character. I don't know. Like maybe she still feels unfulfilled because her sister died and she never really got her revenge for it. I don't know. I saw someone pose that theory and I was like, maybe. I can see that. I, I like part of me would like to think that she got closure, but after being through such a, after going through such a traumatic experience, I mean, yeah, you never, you never know what would ultimately make someone crack and go back to that dark place. Yeah. Especially the way Gillian plays it is so great. Like I feel like, it's she definitely leaves it up like she doesn't give anything away too much where I'm like I don't know what do you think that's definitely now my favorite plausible scenario with the existing characters I I feel like I give the boring answer where 
I lean into like, I don't know, I guess like the industry and the behind the scenes of it all, like a shot being put in there in a way that leaves it open-ended. So after, after Lee and the team can see how people respond to these three movies, then they could figure out what step to take next. But I know Lee's already told me that like she has ideas for the future. So I assume now it's planned with purpose. To be honest, well, I, we are so in the dark. Like no one has told us what it is. And people are asking me who took the book. And I'm like, I want to know too. (laughs) I don't know if you've put much thought into this, but what do you think life is like for Dina after? Because she, she's pretty much lived her entire life with this cloud hanging over her head, this extra pressure on her shoulders because of the curse. And now all of a sudden, like, like it's lifted. And I think about this a lot with, with, uh, I watch a lot of horror movies, but I think about it a lot with all movies. It's like a movie will show us the most, you know, extreme or significant thing that an individual has gone through, but it isn't just like walk off into the sunset after that. They have like a whole life to live with, with challenges and nuances. So what do you picture Dina's, I don't know, maybe not like next like devastating challenge along the lines of fighting off slashers, but like what what do you think is the next step for her in terms of another challenge to meet? I think I think um, Dina wasn't really ever given the opportunity, at least that we saw, to really kind of grieve the loss of Simon and Kate. And I think like considering everything she went through, like there's some there's definitely some trauma there that, you know, like Dina is so headstrong and so resilient, but also, you know, has suffered a lot of loss that I don't think she really had the opportunity to deal with. So I think, you know, maybe something, maybe just opening up to her like vulnerabilities in that way and dealing with grief would be something like a human problem to deal with for sure. I feel like I can't handle that story. I could barely handle Kate and Simon's demise in 1994. I don't know if I could dig into it to that extent. In the worst transition ever, we're going to play another game now. We're going to do some Fear Street cast superlatives. So I'll give you the superlative and you tell me which cast member best fits this and why. Okay. Most likely to survive a one-on-one with a shady side killer. Olivia, because Olivia is a horror genius knows all the tricks, knows every horror movie and how to beat anything. So I'd say Olivia. I feel like like my mom would be so mad at Olivia because from our last interview, she got that bug in my head that like, now I need a stick and poke tattoo. Or I could actually blame that on you too now because I that was in that episode of Trinkets. Yeah. I know. I want to get a stick and poke too. You should get one. <laughs> I'm a little tempted now. All right, next one here most likely to not realize that they're in a horror movie and go off to investigate a strange noise? Me. <laughs> I would say that'd be most likely me because I, I have, I like think I have a very like positive, almost like la la la, like, you know, just like really, uh, I'm almost innocent, like naive, like view on things sometimes where I'm like, that would never happen. I feel like, I feel like that would be me for sure. <laughs> Do you think you would be able to survive a slasher movie? What role in the traditional slasher movie group would you wind up filling? Honestly, I think I actually thought about this. I relate so much to Cindy Berman in 78, where she also was like, you know, very like happy-go-lucky and and positive. But then when it came down to it, especially to protect, like I have a younger sister, so I really related. And I was like, I feel like I'm so much like Cindy. 
I have a younger sister too. And that ending of that movie, I was like, I also was not prepared for like, not that we hadn't seen gory stuff in the series leading up to that, but wow, like Lee goes heavy with the blood and the ax swings and that. Heartbreaking. Like I cry every time. It's like, and the final shot of them, like almost touching, but like just enough apart. It's so like, so sad, so heartbreaking. It really is. I feel like Cindy's a very admirable character to compare yes, yourself I do. to. Most likely to trip and fall while running from a slasher. I would say Fred. <laughs> I think Fred even, like, I swear Fred tripped over his untied shoelaces, like, offset walking to lunch one day when we first met. And I was like, are you okay? <laughs> Definitely Fred. I lie. I have one more Fear Street interview. I'm talking to Fred soon after you, I guess for Fear Street and White Lotus, but I might call him yeah. out. <laughs> Yes, mention that. Most likely to spill something on their wardrobe at craft services. Huh. I, mean, I don't want to say Fred again, but I'm going to say Fred. <laughs> I'm going to say right. Fred. I'm pretty sure that probably happened. <laughs> Here, here's a filmmaking one for you. Who is the most likely to surprise you while filming? Whether it's, you know, like catching you off guard with a unique creative decision, ad-libbing something, whatever it is? Um, I think B Benji, who plays Josh, Benji's just like so funny. And sometimes we would read scenes on paper and be like, there's nothing funny about this. But then when filming with Benji, I'm like, how is it funny now? Like you just bring this, this you know, humor to lines that I never would have thought would be funny, but he always surprised me in that way. I like that. How about who is the most likely to direct their own horror movie one day? Oh, Olivia. Olivia. I definitely see that like in the near future for sure. I thought you would go for that and I would love to see that from her. Me too. So we have come to the end of Collider Ladies Night and we always finish the show with the same two questions. The first one is, can you name someone who you think is changing the entertainment industry for the better? Oh, wow. I, I'm My initial um, thought was Alicia Keys. I love Alicia Keys, and I think that she's changing the entertainment industry because she's very body positive, and she's the first woman that I saw on a red carpet with no makeup, and she did that for a while, and I think she maybe still does it, and I think that's, we never see that, for, for women at least, so I, I admire Alicia Keys in many ways when, when it comes to body positivity and embracing your natural beauty. I like that. This last one's a big one. You can take it in a lighter direction if you prefer, but what is the biggest fear that you've ever had that you've actually managed to overcome? Ooh, biggest fear that I've ever had that I've actually managed to overcome. That's a great question. I think I used to be afraid of the dark as a kid. I was like, I was afraid of a lot of things as a kid. Um, oh, I was afraid of the Quaker Oats man. Do you know the Quaker Oats man on like I on the, know the Quaker Oats man? When I was a kid, I had this very rational fear of the Quaker Oats man. Like I would refuse to walk down the aisles of the grocery store because I thought he was like watching me. <laughs> and and I'm definitely not afraid of that anymore. <laughs> that makes me think of being a kid in like, I don't know, elementary school where the hottest uh the hottest costume for kids was being a serial killer and they would tape cereal boxes and like put knives in them. <laughs> yep, exactly. Now I'm thinking we need another horror movie where all the, the cereal box mascots come to life and, and come after people. That would be terrifying. My, my child self would be so scared. <laughs>
Did you see any uh, Quaker Oats oatmeal while filming the grocery scene in 94? I didn't see any. I was probably subconsciously avoiding them, but I didn't see any. But there were some really cool like retro cereal boxes in that in that sequence. Now I got a lot of stuff to look for. I got to go back and start freeze framing every single box I can find in that supermarket as though I haven't watched the movies enough. And I still have to finish Train Kits. Kiana, thank you so much for hanging out with us on Ladies Night. And I don't care how many times I've already said it to you. Congratulations on Fear Street. You are excellent in it. And I truly believe that it's a horror trilogy for the ages. So big congrats to you and the team. Thank you so much. It was so nice being on your show. This was amazing. Thank you so much. 